July 16th, 2004. Dear Diary, Just got back from the Ashbrook house. Mrs. Aarons thought if we did a little volunteer work to clean up around the yard, it might drum up a little bit of support. Other than finding an upsetting a possum under the porch, I'd say it went pretty well. Apparently, I shouldn't even have to go get a rabies shot. Hmm. It is kind of a bummer, though, to see how uninterested Brittany is in her mom's work. For someone who talks all the time about uniqueness and stuff, what good is a small town that paves over its past with another parking lot? I mean, she's been hanging out with that Natasha, and she keeps saying she's from New York. H half of New York is chains now. Hundreds of Ashbrook houses just... Poof, gone. A wave of sameness flooding our little islands of hope. Ugh, yuck, yuck, don't, don't like that. Just gonna scribble that out. Car also, note to Carter, stop writing in pen. Anyway, we're having one more rally in a few days. The mood is kind of ho-hum, but... If there was ever a time to go for broke, it's now. Until next time, diary. Yeah, and once they tear down this old dumb house, they'll replace it with a podcast. Nice. I thought for sure you were going to sing this week. No. I, look, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing 2000s Disney, like, sanitized pop. I know my limits. Which Do is you? funny, because I objectively don't. Right. I thought for sure this would be, like, a song week for you. And yes, yes, I know. It's like, don't we already have, like, a hundred podcasts in this neighborhood? And it's like, yeah, but I know the people who host this one. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> Are podcasts the internet equivalent of, like, suburban decay? No. Oh, maybe they are. Didn't somebody say, like, a long time ago, like, podcasts are the new garage band? Basically. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember that. You don't want to hear something funny on a side note? I heard someone online on Twitter say that, like, becoming like getting your real estate license is the new like being a dj <laughs> oh yeah no like <laughs> I, i'm on playbill.com all the time and every other post especially during strike time is like hey you want to get into real estate like this can be your fallback job and i'm like i'm not like, you're selling not busy houses. right now why don't you get your real estate yeah you know, why don't you sell people things that you'll never be able to have right. and let it just slowly eat your insides right? <laughs> until you're nothing but a bunch of, until you're basically oogie boogie, but with flesh. Right. Okay. What are we? Oh, right. The podcast we're doing. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And welcome back to Carter Month. Um, I know we're not officially theming it, but this is basically no, it's Carter's month. month where he gets to, yeah, I basically get to strong arm my way into doing any right. topic I particularly feel like. Basically. And this week we are doing a DCOM diary. Yes. And you know, before we tell you what the DCOM is, although you may have just read it in the title, um, all, all of what we just sort of like word vomited is like weirdly relevant to what we're about to discuss. Um, we, this week, we watched the Disney Channel original movie, Stuck in the Suburbs. 
Was this 2006? It was 2004. What? Uh, July 16th. That makes a lot more sense. Um, the election was, um, you know, the election was really heating up. Right. John Kerry was stinking up the joint. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really, really just fumbling in a very easy bag. Um, you know, what else was, uh, Green Day was rocking the airwaves. Right. Everyone um, had angst. I think it's thematically relevant. And everybody yeah. had iPods. <laughs> yeah, iPods. Everybody gets I an iPod. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, wasn't this was really close? Well, it's funny because you were pointing out the tech, and I'm like, this is like literally the last year before the art kids take over the tech space right. for good. And honestly, if I'm being honest, mostly ill. Um, <laughs> right. Like, uh, I mean, I know we say this a lot, but this one is a real fucking time capsule. Oh, um, but yes. yes. It is very funny because I thought it would be cute because we both did a turtle sing for our birthday. Um, and I thought it would be really cute if we both did a decom. And I love yours is this, like, actual, like, very, like, politically charged, well, like, well-made. Well, it's well, messy, it but was, it's, like, you know, they t- there's I, an effort. I chose it because it was Black History Month. So it was, it, yeah, we had to do something for Black History Month. I mean, like, we were going to do it anyway. But, like, but, yeah, yes, mine was a, <laughs> was a commentary on um, apartheid South Africa. Not a good one, but... But, you know, it's it's there. Um, there was an effort. Whereas weirdly, this movie is like... Yeah, this movie is, is somehow, like, I, I have to call it inadvertently poignant. Like, something feels sort of, like, accidental about a lot of its messaging. Even though, like, even, even though on the surface you'd think, like, oh, yeah, this is about a teenage girl being bored with her extremely comfortable life. Um, but it's actually, like, weirdly a thorough commentary on on this sort of, like, mass-produced American lifestyle um, that I certainly did not realize or, or appreciate until seeing it now as an adult. To be honest with you, I don't even remember the last time I've sat down to watch this movie. Um, I remember being, I remember loving it though, as a kid. Yeah. Well, that's like, again, so much of like this era of Disney for me was defined by what my sister was watching, like just having on demand after school. And for some reason, this one was like top three, especially pre high Mm -hmm. school musical. I would argue it was even higher. It was like, mom's got a date with a vampire smart house in this were like the three. Which is mm. funny because as I've been looking at, like, other people's rankings of the DCOMs or, like, you know, talking about DCOMs, it always seems to get the short end of the stick. Um, yeah, it is a film that does have messaging, does have something to say, but it is very messy because right. it has to find a balance between, like, being cutting and still being... I know heteronormative isn't the right word, but basically that energy of, like, well, we have being to safe. preserve, yeah. like, America's status quo. Right. We can't actually, like, take on, like, talk <laughs> about the systemic collapse of America. Right. But weirdly, like, as we're watching it, I'm like, wow, they're really dropping some serious socioeconomic bombs, like, on us with this film in, like, these really subtle, passive comments. There, there's a lot to unpack yes. here. Oh, yeah. Um, We do have a lot of inexplicably fun things to talk about this episode. Right. But I think before we get too deep into the suburbs where you can't even recognize which house is yours, 
It is time for another Internet Minute. All right, Carter. Um, give us your Internet Minute. What's going on this week? Okay, I took a play out of your playbook and did some tweets. I have two really quick ones I wanted to talk about. Um, the first comes from at Patrick Willems. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Patrick Willems, but he is like a film critic, sort of film analysis guy. Frankly, just like doing what we want to do, but with more money. And ju- it's just better. Cool. He, he, he just, he's, you know, and that's okay because he's been doing right. it longer than us. Um, and he tweeted, suddenly I am 21 years old again and Scott Pilgrim is the only thing I care about. Um, so Netflix just dropped the trailer for, um, what they've been hyping up for a little while now, uh, an anime series based on Scott Pilgrim called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Um, so it is animated by, uh, Science Saru, who I have seen a couple of their, like, they do, Saru does, like, films, too, in Japan, and one or two of them are, like, really big faves for me. I almost recommended one, but then I was like, this might be a little, like, she ha- Sydney hasn't even seen Ghibli yet. Let's, like, start right. smaller. Baby steps. Let's not go into the wackadoo end yet. Right. <laughs> um, it was co-written by Brian Lee O'Malley, the um, series' original creator. Uh, Edgar Wright is producing it. He was the original director of the live-action movie. And they somehow managed to get the entire original cast of the live-action movie back. So Michael Sarah, Allison Pill, um, Brandon Routh, Jason Schwartzman, and, shockingly for me... Chris Evans right. and Brie Larson. I it's know. kind of fucking insane. You know they're busy, the, right? Because like most, of, like as great as the cast is, it's a lot of people who are like you know, it's a lot of people who are like great B plus actors. Where it's like maybe their name will never be at the top of a title, but they sure. are critical role players in damn near every film. Right. Whereas like Chris Evans and Brie Larson, like yeah, they're usually down for anything, but like Oscar those winner, guys like five of the highest grossing movies of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, they're the two people, like, everyone else's career has still been good, but steady. Mm-hmm. Their careers rocketed uh, after right. this. To get them back is insane. Um, it looks lovely. Like, you realize, like, oh, this is what, you know, we talked so much about, like, the po- modern pop art stuff. This is, like, the animated equivalent, or the two hand-drawn version of that, where it's like, well, what if we go gonzo with hand-drawn animation, too, and just do everything? And I'm like, mm. I'm excited. Like, yeah. I was a kid who was obsessed with Scott Pilgrim. Bennett introduced it. Bennett kept hyping it up for me when it was coming out in August. It actually just had its, um, I believe, 13th anniversary. Hmm. Um, and when I saw the live-action trailer, I was in love. Still one of my favorite films. And it's exciting to get another version of it. To get a version 2 that will be kind of... I don't know. It's interesting that they're going... You know, the director is going to have 13 years after creating it. And the original series creators, you know, he wrote the last book right when the movie was coming out. So it's like mm. both of them had 13 years to just sit and think about like, well, what does this really mean to me? Like, what can I do differently? Or like, what what would I do now if I had the extra decade of perspective? Yeah, you sent me the um, the link to the trailer and I didn't get a chance to watch it. But I remember like the artwork on the thumbnail, like being kind of like taken aback. By that it, it was it, it reminded me of a steven universe just in this like oh. sort of pastel-ish like palette oh yeah well for some reason a running joke because i always hype up steven universe and i got really close to forcing you to watch steven universe for this but i'm like i don't want this was the time to, to do it me. my friend I know. <laughs> you wasted i thought about <laughs> you know i had i was given a gift and i didn't take advantage of it <laughs> 
Yeah, but like, how fun would an episode have been where I'm just sitting here being like, this is why this is great. And you being like, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. it, but it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> for an hour and 20 minutes. Right. Um, but anyway, it's also exciting because like, you know, this will probably be a closer adaptation of the comics because the challenge of smashing six books, like two of which basically weren't written when the film was being made. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just had like a rough outline of what was going to happen. It'll be interesting to have that perspective. I mean, it's basically, I hate to invoke Harry Potter, but it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. so many of those later films were making up for the fact that they didn't have that knowledge. Um, right. Like certain knowledge of when they were making books one, two, and three into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the go-to for that is book five is like very dark and cutting and like really like some messy relationship stuff. And it's like most of that had to get cut for time. Like it turns out that Ramona was dating two twins at the same time and like two timing both of them. And Mm. I'm really excited to see how they tackle a lot of that like meat and depth that unfortunately had to get cut and turned into subtext in the movie. Okay, what's your second one? Uh, My second one is just a quick one. Um, It is a tweet from the official studio Ghibli Twitter. Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron is an official selection at New Year this year's New York Film Festival. Um, Ten years ago, the New York Film Festival hosted the U.S. premiere of The Wind Rises. We look forward to seeing you again when The Boy and the Heron makes its U.S. premiere at New York Film Festival 61. So this is most likely going to be Hayao Miyazaki's last film. I know he seems ageless, but he probably isn't. And I can't imagine, um, you know, his body would hold up for another production this long. Um, It has only released in Japan so far. Um, They pointedly did not release any clips or any trailers beforehand, just a poster. We are finally starting to get some images because they're like, well, we have to show something for the American audience. Mm -hmm. But they're still being very coy and vague about what it's about. All I know is that people are like, yeah, there's no subtlety in the movie. The main character is absolutely an audience, like a POV Miyazaki character. Like it's him. And I'm just like, oh my God, so you're saying it's going to be insane. Right. (laughs) Um, And for me, this tweet just hit me because it's like, the Wind Rises came out 10 years ago. That was like, can, that was supposed to be his last film. That was supposed to be his swan song, like meditative, reflective film about like his relationship with Japan and his relationship with art and creation. And then 10 years later, he has another movie. I just... Jeez. Do you know how yeah, old he is? He, um, I can literally look it up right now because he's looked at the same age for like three decades. The man doesn't age. Sunscreen. Uh, he's 82. Oh, wow. He does seem to wear hats when he goes out a lot. Well, that's part of it. But, yes, I am I am so nervous and anxious for this movie. Um, because this man has retired three times. And <laughs> it's Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, and Wind Rises. Arguably the three greatest swan songs for a career you could have. And he had all three. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's literally the equivalent of, like, what if Jordan, when Jordan retired, unretired and went back to the Wizards, he actually won a title there, but then also <laughs> retired a third time and was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I guess I'll go to the Pacers and also right. made them, like... Just go on a, a winning tour championship of, like, who's contender. next? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so I'm very excited for this. Yeah, that's, I'm actually excited, too. I think I do kind of want to make an effort to see that, even though I am new to Studio Ghibli and... Like, this month will be my first time seeing a single film. Um, I'm not going to lie, the whole, like, keeping something totally hidden 
as a marketing strategy, it's effective. Um, right. Because I'm like now, I feel like I have to see it. <laughs> right. And it's like this is the only thing you could get away with it. Like only he has the clout. And also, it's like imagine if you went to a restaurant and they're like, "We're not telling you what's in this." You'd be like, "Yeah, I'm out." No. Right. <laughs> like you couldn't get away with this in any other genre or medium or right anything. exactly. <laughs> All right, Sydney, what is your internet minute? Okay, so um, my internet minute is something slightly controversial that came out in the news in the last few weeks. Um, I think this kind of went viral. Get political. Oh, yeah. If there's any time to do it, it's it's while we're stuck in the suburbs. You know what I mean? Um, Cool. But so, anyway, this. This clip went around on TikTok and thus went around on the rest of the internet of an actor whose name is Joey Bragg. Uh, He's an actor on the show Live and Maddie. And he went on a podcast recently. And because I'm a mediocre journalist, I don't know the name of this podcast. Um, I'll, I'll like link this TikTok, like I'll, I'll add the link and I'll give it to you and you can put it on the, in the description of this, um, so that people can actually see this and maybe you've seen it go around, but anyway, it's, it's like, he just brought to light something really shady that Disney has been getting away with ever since ever, apparently. Um, and it is how they get away with paying everyone like actors, crew, um, less over time. So basically in this TikTok, he revealed like on this podcast that like a show would go through three seasons and then they would reboot the show essentially mm-hmm. like, or they would essentially like rebrand the show. And we've seen this happen with the sweet life of Zach and Cody, which became the sweet life on deck. Hannah Montana became Hannah Montana forever. Like a lot of shows, seemingly all of them if if you like go back not all of them but like a lot of the shows live in maddie which is the show that he was on became like live in maddie's california adventure like something they just like rebrand the entire show but on paper this is a brand new show and so so basically to explain this to all of you that are unaware like there's a pay scale so when you are starting on a series you're being paid, like, the lower percentage of that pay scale, and then the more seasons and the more success the show has, like, as more time goes by when that you're working on the show, the pay increases and increases and increases. So after three seasons, they would cut that off, start a new show with the same cast and crew, and because it's a new show, they everybody would get sent back to the beginning of the scale and would be paid less, even though they've all been working on literally the same show. <laughs> For now, a fourth season and beyond, but now everybody's getting paid less. So he revealed that Disney has been that the that the reason that these Disney Channel shows like get a facelift after so long is so that they can get away with paying people less. And it's like I think one of the best things to come of of this strike season, uh is the nature of the internet, like, giving us all of these nuggets of information, these actors, these crew, these writers, coming out to be like, hey, this is the reality of what, like, working in this industry is. Uh, This is the sort of insidious ways that these huge billion-dollar companies are getting away 
with like fucking all of us over um and and this absolutely blew my mind I never I never understood like I just thought it was like just like a fun refresh like every time we would see a show get like rebooted Mm -hmm. quote-unquote um so it's kind of really disappointing to learn that the reason for this is so that everybody could just be paid less. Yeah, it's like, I think I worded it this way at one point. It's like, like the one consistent thing from the beginning of Disney's history to the end of Disney's history is thinking of shrewd business ways to cut people out of profits. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that frustrates me about a lot of the discourse about Walt Disney is they focus so much on, like, this, like, oh, look at all these racist caricatures he uses. Oh, he was a Nazi. And it's like, well, yes, he was probably he was probably a racist, but he was a Midwesterner who grew up in, yeah. like, the 1910s. Of course he was a racist. Right. But, like, in reality, he is more comparable to a J.P. Morgan or, like, a Rockefeller, mm-hmm. like, titans of industry, even though he was in the entertainment field, in terms of just having this, like third sense of how to manipulate the legal system to get mm-hmm. max profit um again and again all of like the discourse around him really underline fails to underline like no his biggest sin was naming names during the like communist scare mm-hmm. um and like so much of this is just like honestly and like it's a part of the strike it's a part of the strike like the theme of the strike is like decades of companies being allowed to exploit loopholes exploit the fact that our laws are simply too slow to keep up with like capitalist innovation mm-hmm. quote unquote right um leaves us at a constant disadvantage like one of the reasons i would argue we need an age limit in most forms like most government positions is because like i can't imagine diane feinstein for the last like 15 years regardless of her like mm-hmm. coherence you know whatever let's just get political yeah. um has ever once thought, like, hey, how could a studio theoretically use streaming to basically violate contracts, both in spirit and possibly literally? Right. Like, do you think Joe Biden has ever once thought about, like, something like this? No. Do you think he's ever once thought? Because this has been a phenomenon for, like, what, since 2000? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine he's ever once thought about something like this. Right, exactly. Because these are ideas that haven't existed for 90% of his life. Right, that's true. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I don't, I don't know. I Again, I fight so hard against the accusation that we're homers. Because at the end of the day... Oh, yeah. We love Disney, but we also want them to suck less at times. Oh, yeah. Without We question. love the pageantry of Disney, not the actual company. <clears throat> right, exactly. And and what what's the point of having a podcast that presumably they've never heard of? Uh, if we exactly. don't talk shit about them. <laughs> right. We don't have to face the consequences for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's, it's like, it is frustrating because it's, like, again, if there was one thing I thought would motivate Disney to come to the table is, like, this dirty laundry is going to keep getting aired until mm-hmm. you cave. And it's, like, do you really want this to be our hundredth year? Just right. everyone being like, oh, they're even worse and more, like, conniving than you thought they were. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we were just getting over a season of Disney hating. Like, I felt I felt like sort of, like, early pandemic, maybe, or maybe even slightly before that, everyone was sort of, like, Disney cynical, and then I, I felt like things were sort of 
turning around, it goes through waves. Like, it goes up and down Mm -hmm. of people's favor or lack of favor with that company. And I felt like we were just, like, you know, I I felt like there was a little bit of excitement for the 100. Right. Or at least people, like, were just, like, pausing their hatred of Disney for the 100. Well, it's also, like... I've wanted to work this in somewhere, and it is just so funny. Like, because we've gotten to this weird, like, counter-revolution in terms of Disney hates, where it feels like people are just like, all right, it's getting a little out of hand now. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like it broke around, like, when um, Secret Invasion came out for some reason, which we still haven't watched. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, like, there was a a back-and-forth where uh, Politico, the kind of conservative hack... Uh, website and publication was like hey you guys who don't like disney if ron DeSantis won like if he won the primary and then he won the presidency he would probably break up disney literally i'm like of course this is where disney hate was going to end up it was going right. to end up in this weird war my republic thing of like hey it, yeah it would be kind of bad if the fascists won but wouldn't it be but... better to destroy your enemies right exactly <laughs> Oh, and I'm like, yeah, this was always inevitably where this was going to exactly. end up, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> Don't have parasocial relationships with companies, people. It never works. Yeah. Good Le- or bad. Least of all companies. Stick to YouTubers. Yeah, we rule. At least they'll apologize. It won't be good, but they'll yeah. apologize. I have a ukulele. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know what? Back to your regular scheduled programming. <laughs> Stuck in the Suburbs, the 2004 Disney Channel original film starring Danielle Panabaker, uh, Taryn Killam, and Brenda Song, directed by a man who identifies himself as Savage Steve Holland. Is that a wrestler? I I know. I was like, he's either a wrestler or he films adult films. Turns out neither are true. Well, that's disappointing. Right? Um, he's done a whole lot of, like, he does a whole lot of, like, um, uh, like, romantic comedies, um, a lot of stuff for Nickelodeon and Disney, um, a mix of animated stuff. Uh, No, he directed a couple episodes of Phil the Future, Zoe 101, Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens, Sabrina, the animated series. He wrote seven episodes of Keenan and Kel. Um, Hmm. Why specifically he identifies as Savage Steve Holland is still a mystery. And I mean, if he like, wants to... you heard those disses by those teenage girls. That was pretty savage. Right. Yes. <laughs> this man exhumes mean girls' energy. Right. Um, yes, if he ever wants to chime in and send us a voice clip explaining where his nickname came from, uh, <laughs> yes. go ahead. This is an open call. Um, yes. So... We talked about, like, the political charged element of this film. And the opening of this film is, like, basically gets to... Well, one, the film just jumps right in. I forgot, like, when you don't have the little Disney Channel buffer at the beginning, that's like, hey, we're gonna watch a A Disney Disney Channel Channel movie. movie. You forget Mm -hmm. this movie just goes right into a title sequence that is the most 2004 thing ever. Like, it's the title, which is a CGI, like, street crossing sign with Stuck in the Suburbs on it. And then it's just all of these, like, gossip, teen gossip mags. Um, yeah. Just, like, with all the character names and stuff on them. 
that, that just has like kind of hurt to look at. Clips like it's 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 like the image of this like teeny bopper magazine has like photos of of people that like are in the movie but would never be on the cover of a magazine. Like it, right, it's like they have like like they put a picture of the of the guy who like hosts that that like m- music news show that they kept like cutting away to. And it's like that guy would never be on the cover of J fourteen or like t- Tiger Beat like, but like why like they are just they don't have any other celebrities like quote unquote fake celebrities to like put on this fake magazine so they just like put in these like third stream characters. <laughs> I will say it's very funny to transition from this to this from Good Burger where Good Burger's like yeah we'll get George Clinton and Shaq and mm-hmm. like a couple other people. Whereas this is like, well, we'll just reference Madonna and Rihanna. And I'm like, why didn't you just think of, like, yeah, slightly lower-tier celebrities you could have gotten for this? Right, that would be much more realistic. And, like, why, like, when you think about how phones work, like, this is, and I keep reminding myself, like, this is Disney Channel, Sydney, stop thinking. <laughs> like, just turn right. your brain off. But I'm like... The technology is decades ahead. I'm like, do you think that Madonna is registered at Verizon like as Madonna because it's like it shows her name like on the caller ID as Madonna. <laughs> like it's, wouldn't she just would she not use her real name? Well, yeah. Madonna's not her name, right? I actually No, don't it's know. not. <laughs> I was like, okay, good. I'm like, why would she put that on her phone? Like no, surely she she's not like she doesn't strike me as someone overwhelmed with ego. She no. seems to have a normal amount of ego for someone that's successful. For someone who's Madonna, yeah. She does. <laughs> Anywho, um, like, we're not even in this yet. Yeah, but, like, we go to the scene. Literally, the opening scene is an... Well, one, it's a punchline about, like, oh, teen girls are talking. Talk, talk, oh, talk. girls talk so much, and they never say anything cool or important. They all have the same opinions. They all have the same stuff. And the idea of sameness nothing. is, like, the running theme. Yes. Mm-hmm. But all of this is an elaborate punchline, too. They park in front of someone's home, and the mom who's driving them is like, is this your house? No. Is this your house? No. Does anybody live house? here? No. And they look around, and then they just zoom out, and you realize every house is literally a carbon copy. Like, it's a Levittown, where the houses right. are quite literally exactly the Copy same. and paste, yeah. And can I just say, like, I totally misinterpreted this scene when I was a kid, because, like... I don't know, like, this went over my head totally. I thought the point of the scene was that, like, moms are tired. (laughs) Like, because they kind of frame her that way. Like, that's how she was sort of directed. Um, Yes. This actress that is playing this mom, like, she's bringing them home from from a soccer game. Like, they're in uniform. And, um, And she's, like, totally zoning out as she's driving. Like, she looks kind of like disheveled she looks very exhausted and I thought that she was just having a moment like I always thought that scene was like oh being a mom is hard work <laughs> not that like no their homes are unrecog like indistinguishable from one another and both are they true are literally clones yeah well that's so we watched this together the other day and like someday we will do a live stream of us watching something because right. that is when we get our best jokes in. Like right. just when we're like, oh, we can just say anything right now. We're right. just throwing stuff at the wall to see what makes the other laugh. 
Right. And I think at one point you just go, is the underlining theme of this movie that suburban moms are slaves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the theme of any, like, sort of social commentary on the 1950s, but yes. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so we, like, dive right in. Like, honestly, right. there's a couple things that drew me to this movie to come back and talk to it, but I forgot how, like, thick they lay it on in terms of, like, the homogenization theme. Yeah, this theme of, of sameness, not just, like... An island of hope in a sea of sameness, um, <laughs> which is the worst oh, line. That I've, been my opening. It's the worst line I've ever heard in my life. Like, let's be real, it sucks. That's not a but song line. Everyone acts That's a slam like poetry it piece. is extremely poetic. <laughs> but even if I heard, if I even if I went to like an open mic poetry night and I heard that, I would start booing. Like, <laughs> don't yeah. say anything. I would turn like that into that. like a Shakespeare slam poetry thing, where you're allowed to hiss and heckle and throw shit on the stage. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, like you know anyway. like literal Shakespearean times where like sometimes audience members would like try to swipe at the actors on the stage if they were exactly mad. right um but yeah I mean like it's even it was even sort of clever of them to be framing this around like them coming home from a soccer game where they're all in uniform like it, it's sort of um because it's not just the homes that are the same it's supposed to be like all of these girls are sort of copy and paste versions of one another right and, and so like, it's great like imagery um for them to all like be happening to hap for them to all happen to be wearing the same exact outfit <laughs> right and it's like yeah and that leads us to our protagonist Brittany Ahrens and it's like Brittany she's not Ahrens. like other girls she's kind of sad about being in the suburbs she wants to live she in plays New the guitar. yeah I will right. say, though, like, we're being a bit catty right now, but they do do a lot of, like, again, this is back when, like, these films had, like, at least, you know, C-plus writing in terms of, like, oh, yeah. understanding plot structure and, like, right. how to write character arcs. Because, like, I like the idea of, to underline the idea that she wants to be unique, she has these, like, less basic sandals. They have, she has these, like, I mean, sandals with flowers on them. They looked, and she's, they like, were they're cool one at the time. Kind. Yeah, they're one oh, time, yeah. and, like, my aunt sent them to me from New York. Like, you can't get them anywhere. And these bitches have the nerve to be like, we looked on the internet, and <laughs> we found them. <laughs> and they're, right. not, and they're like, not that unique, bitch. Like, we have them now, too. Yeah, and that's, like, a like again, that's story, like, script writing 101. Like, yeah. <laughs> give your protagonist, like, an easy, like, a visual metaphor to underline what they right. want. She wants to be different. She has these shoes. But she's in a suburb, so she can't have that to herself. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Even Simple. They even, um, you know, the use of which, like, I have such few memories of being on, like, three-way or four-way calls in the 2000s. But it was a very right. common trope of, of like, sitcoms uh, for, like, multiple people to be on the same line and talking to each other at the same time. Um, and... <laughs> so they even use that trip of like anytime anything happens like her phone will ring and it'll be all four of them on the phone at once like screaming incoherently like, i don't even know if they have names if i'm being perfectly I honest they're more like a hive girls. mind yeah they are yeah they are a single unit together i mean this is like this it's literally like invasion of the body snatchers in terms Truly. of like commentary on like post-war suburban right. houses. 
Right. And we uh, also have another common trope here, like, which this is a good time to bring up, this sort of, like, annoying little brother. I mean, like, all, like, like let's let's focus on, on Brittany Aarons for, like, a minute and her sort of, like, nuclear family here for a second. Like, mm-hmm. she's got... They, they create this almost, like, I don't know, what's the, what, what is the, like, what, what's the word for it? What's, what's the PG version of, like, a Madonna horror complex, like, of where you, like, pit sort of, like, a wild child up against, like, a goody girl? Like, because that's what they sort of frame here with her older sister, who is, like, an overachiever right. in every way. Um, she's got, she's she's got this oldest... Kid. Right, she's low key like she's low key like the third parent in the house, but like she's the older sister who yeah is extremely smart and is always doing her homework. Like you don't have to parent me, mom. I'm parenting myself uh, because they both, I'm a her good kid. and Danielle both look like they're kind of twenty, which is one of the things Literally. I always love about these movies where it's like the leads look like they're way older yeah. than like the extras where they're like, well, let's get actual kids for the leads. Right, to back them up, yeah. Or the extras. Um, and then she's got an annoying little brother, which is like a common trope. If you've got like a teenage girl lead, she's got like a snot-nosed, annoying, invasive brother. Yeah. Who's always trying to sneak into a room, which it's like, what? What do you want? You- weirdo yeah like <laughs> what are you gaining from this in creep? here yeah that's that's like in hindsight that that's very weird like what do you right. want <laughs> yeah what do you get from this like yeah. no normal no actual like younger brother has done that unless no. they saw it on tv and it was yeah. programmed to be like well i have to do this this is a part of the what i yeah, do yeah that's what that's what that's what my job is yeah <laughs> like a bird sees its mom fly away and it's like oh i have to do that at some point right but the, okay, wait. But then, so in this opening scene, like that's how like loaded this opening sequence is. Is that like there's a lot of like different layers being introduced here at once. Um, the girlies all like demand that they stop in because it's time for. Um, I don't even remember what they were calling the show. It's and you asked me like was were there really shows like this? Yes, um, it was called TLR. Um, that was on MTV. And it was like there would be a host, and and they would be like, "Oh, here's the new in sync video, bye bye bye." And I was like, gonna say this is like that. This might be the most anarchic part of this movie because it's like, man, you really couldn't make this movie a year later because this was no. right when the trope of like, oh, MTV isn't about movies anymore or music videos anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But but like this. There, there was a TV show exactly that this is extremely realistic for there to be like a show with like a live studio audience that played music videos and often like had celebrity hosts on it to like introduce their own stuff. Like, yeah, that was that was a common thing. So anyway, it's time for the new Jordan Cahill music video. And so we are simultaneously introduced to Jordan Cahill but also his adoring fans, which are these four girls. And they we stop to watch them weirdly dance in the living room and, like, destroy some furniture. I Right? It, again, it's the hive mind thing of they're all, like, yes. vaguely on beat doing the exact same moves. Right. And then they just start destroying shit. Yeah, they knock the couch over. I remember as a kid being like, yeah, my mom would kill me if I tried to step on her couch. I don't think I could... Like, I did a in lot my of sports. Cleats, I don't think I could ever hit a couch cleats. that hard. 
Right. Yeah. But I guess if there's four of you and you're, yeah, you could get away with that. Um, yes. And that's sort of all of our, like, basically they're introducing all of the themes, all the main characters. Mm-hmm. Who would you say Jordan Cahill is supposed to be a pastiche of? Like, he kind of has an Aaron Cartery look, um, especially when they cut his hair. But, like... I mean, like, this would have been around the time that we were getting a lot of Justin Timberlake solo stuff. Um, oh, so, so they're going for, like, the solo boy band. reminded me of His Justin career is Timberlake. very confusing, Jordan Cahill. Right? Yeah, it's, like, vague. But he would have been, like, a Jesse McCartney. Yeah, like an mm, Aaron Carter. There it is. Yeah, like, he would have been, like, Jesse McCartney would have been, like, the closest thing at the time. Um, whom I used to love. Whose songs are in this movie, by the way? Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think of what other, like, teeny boppers would have been popular in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, it really would have been, like, JT and, and, and McCartney, Jesse McCartney, yeah. Cool. Um, I was saying his name wrong for the longest time and thought he was related to Paul McCartney, but then I stopped and thought about it, I'm like, in what universe does that make sense? What do you mean you were saying his name wrong? Paul McCartney and Jesse McCartney. Like, I assumed they were related. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, both their names are McCartney. Okay. For some reason, I thought one of them was McCarthy versus McCartney. Oh, no, no. They're both McCartney, but they're just... Okay. Yeah. So you're right. But, but. yeah, it's very vague where his career is because he simultaneously has, like, this wave of adoring fans who will chase him down as if he's made, like, at least one or two albums now. But, right. like, the way his his sleazy agent, who I described as very trying very hard to be Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. in this era where Vince Vaughn was the king of, like, smooth, fast-talking, like, I got plans on plan. Yeah, baby. hey, kid, um, this is showbiz. He seems to imply it's, like, this is his big break. Like, he hasn't done anything yet other than, like, be in magazines. Yeah, he's already got, like, adoring fans. You don't get that from nowhere. Although apparent maybe yes. maybe this movie proves that like you can just be an adoring fans if, if a teenage girl just sees you. <laughs> yeah. Like she won't I, know why. See, that's but she's thing, screaming. Like, <laughs> and that's like the weird thing with the politics of this movie. It's like kind of like leftist and progressive in some ways, but also very reductive toward like yes. women and like teenage girls specifically. Absolutely. Yes. And I can't parse the like it's so weird the meshing of those two things and i think it's just a challenge of like well we want to do something with social commentary but we also have to like make it for the whole family so we need to make fun of teenage girls so the boys can be like yeah i can watch this even though it's about two ladies i mean speaking of that like we have to fit in this sort of b plot of this like historic home that the mom is trying to save like yes. again like this is an extension of like women's interests are stupid <laughs> yeah why would you care about this you dumb broad right e- exactly like and like you want to talk about being stuck in the suburbs like i mean this mom's literally like they kind of frame this as if it's all she's got to do with herself right yeah it's like you have the two working parents you know, the dad is, like, a businessman. He has an actual right. meeting. I wear a Whereas the mom down. has frivolous activism. Exactly, um, yeah. I will say, I do love the relationship between the parents. They have Me just too. a handful of scenes where they have, like, a good rapport. Where they look like, there's kind a bit... of romantic, like, but not too much. Like, they look like they like each other. They lo- damn near yeah. love each other, yeah. Which, again, is so sad that it's a testament to how much of, like, our media of this era is, like, ugh. 
parents. They can't stand each other. And it's like, right. yeah, I'm sad too that like older generations didn't stand up for themselves and their exactly. feelings, but like they don't have to lay it on so thick. Right. Whereas these two have like a good back and forth as parents where like mm-hmm. Brittany comes down in like what would be considered like a scandalous top for a 15 year old. And <laughs> get her belly buttons like, out. The dad's like, the dad like looks over and it's like, help. And the mom goes like, oh, I would wear that. And Brittany being like, oh, yeah. oh She's yuck, like, goes oh, up. Oh, you look adorable. And which is the magic word for, yeah, if your mom calls you adorable, you're doing something wrong. So And the dad it. is just like, hey, nice this play. Is, right. <laughs> yeah. Then they just like hand bone it up and high five. And yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, I guess we can skip ahead because this is like sort of the, like, so the like sort of overarching thread that connects all of these disparate plot elements is this idea of what do they call it i believe it's called like the ashby house it's the idea that it's this old like kind of falling apart landmark that they finally decided to like tear down and replace and perhaps one of the most cutting lines in the movie um like britney and um natasha who we haven't talked about yet brenda song um they get roped into like holding up signs like honk to save ashby house And Brittany explains, like, in a few days or weeks, this is going to be torn down and replaced with a gas station. And Brenda Song makes the point of, like, aren't there, like, three gas stations around here? Oh, yeah. A coffee house or, yeah. And then she was like, yeah, but I can walk to this Oh, a gas station and a coffee place. Yeah. And, yeah, Brittany has perhaps one of the most cutting lines in the entire movie. Yeah, but I can ride my bike to this one. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this movie. Because... Like, the mother gives this whole speech of, like, this is the last little bit of history this town has. It's the one unique thing that makes this suburb in particular stand out from all of, like, the cookie-cutter places we've made across this country. Mm -hmm. And if we lose this, we kind of lose whatever soul this place had. Right. Yeah. It is an island of hope in a sea of sameness. (laughs) Okay. Do we? All right. Before I go on my whole spiel. All right. So, Brittany wants to be a songwriter, and that's, like, her, that's her, like, that's her, like, De, de resistance. Yeah, that's yeah, her. That's her yeah. like signature line, her mantra. Right. And I'm like, which is insane. Is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like this, her whole speech about this house is kind of like why this movie stuck with me because, like, look, we've talked about growing up in like, we talked about growing up in like the greater Philadelphia area. We've mm-hmm. talked about like, you know, we live on near the Delaware River where you can just drive for, like, an hour and see three or four, like, really unique, lovely little river towns. Like, towns mm-hmm. that are older than the nation they're in. Right. And those towns have gone through a lot of weird, interesting history. And a lot of times there's been a lot of conflict about, like, do you sell out to become, quote-unquote, marketable a quote-unquote, well, in reality, whitewash. Like, Mm -hmm. do you whitewash your town to make it more economically viable? Do you, like, how much business do you bring in? How much of your history are you willing to, like, sacrifice to appeal to, like, the suburbanites? Right. And, like, I think what really struck a chord with me, like, look, I've had a pretty bad week. I had to, like, drive up and back to a hospital a couple times this week. And as I'm driving, I'm driving past a farm. And something I love about Pennsylvania is, like, if you take the right turn, you can just, nothing but farmland. Yeah. And it is kind of like, you're like, fuck, this country really is kind of beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, it really is just, like, waves and waves of grain in certain parts. Right. But, of course, 
this, like, you know, this farm sold a chunk of its land to a Wegmans and an apartment complex. So now, instead of just beautiful waves of green, there's also a mud pit with, like, half-built shit that right. no one's going to be able to afford. And I just, like, actively got, like, distressed by this. Right. I was just like, like, think about this gift. Like, this gift, like, this whole, like, huge continent. This gorgeous, like, North American continent that we have. That our, like, forefathers did truly unspeakable things to get. Truly right. horrific, like, sinful things to basically conquer and have. And we're wasting it. Like, we mm-hmm. have all this uniqueness, all of this beauty. It, we are literally on an island of hope in a sea of sameness. The sea being a metaphor for Europe. And we fucking wasted it. <laughs> and that's why this, like, I get weirdly, like, locked in and emotional about this movie. Because it's like, mm-hmm. we have to fight for this stuff. Yeah. We have, like... Like, we can't, I don't know. It's it, it's a, It strikes so many, it's kind of perfect for my birthday because it strikes so many of my weird, like, hang-ups about, like, historical mm-hmm. preservation and, like, you know, like, protecting, like, you know, protecting cultural landmarks and, right. like, you know, there, and it's kind of the messy space this film has of, like, finding a middle ground between, like, small-town Americana and, like, well, the suburbs are objectively bad and kind right. of are, like, a egregious waste of space and resources. Yeah. Yeah, the the suburbs are a mistake for a lot of reasons. I mean, like, I've, like, I've fallen down this weird YouTube rabbit hole of people that talk about, like, um, sort of the science of, like, things like public transit or, like, mm-hmm. like the culture of pedestrianism, if you will, and how suburbs are, like, actively dangerous for people to live in. Yeah. Well, and it's also just, like, again, all of this beautiful space we've wasted, because God knows mm-hmm. we need another, like, strip of office spaces yeah, that paper aren't being houses. filled. Right. And now we're being forced to go back to, even though there's a pandemic, because God, apparently it's my fucking responsibility to make sure Michael Bloomberg's real estate investments pay off. Right. Um, sorry. Again, anyway, a little political. Where are we? Disney they don't Channel? Call, they don't call us the most woke podcast to the Delaware for nothing. Yeah, they really don't call us that. Ever. Um, ever. Um, Anyway, the movie. (laughs) Dear Diary, future Mrs. Jordan Cahill speaking. Today was such a weird day, filled with both good and bad things at the same time. Well, the first good thing is that today... I found out that the love of my life, a.k.a. Jordan Cahill and his whatever girlfriend, Penelope, broke up. Do you know what that means? That means that there is a chance for me to be with my one true love, Jordan Cahill. That's right. I am one step closer to being the Mrs. Jordan Cahill. I know. Thrilling. I will admit, this is just another event in a string of really strange events that have been happening with Jordan Cahill. I mean, first he cut off all his hair. I mean, okay, the first thing I'm going to do when I become Mrs. Jordan Cahill is convince him to grow that stuff back out. I mean, come on, I need the long hair. And next he's sort of acting weird and in 
public appearances and um, the lyrics of his songs are are changing. I, I'm I'm so confused. There are these two weird girls at my school who like are spreading these lies that they know him. Like, yeah, sure, girls, like get in line behind me. Thanks. Listen, even though I'm only in tenth grade. I still think I have an, a, a, gr- a great chance of meeting and marrying Jordan Cahill. I mean, come on, if anybody can do it, it's me. Plus, I got invited to this performance at this old decrepit house, and these girls that are saying that they know Jordan are saying that he's going to be there, but I don't know. I think... I think this is just a ploy to get us to show up to her mom's fundraiser or whatever. Speaking of moms, my mom went on a whole rant today about how things would have been different if she hadn't settled down so early and, you know, lost potential. Moms are so weird, always going on and on about the glory days. Ugh whatever. XOXO. Anyway, anyway, yes, all of that, but most importantly, we have to talk about Natasha, who kicks the front door down of the school and, like, floats in, literally, being pulled on some kind of, like, do you know what those are? How do they create that effect? Is she standing on, like, is she being pulled, or is it one, is it like a motorized thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually don't know. She might be on a dolly, but that would yeah, be hard to... but how would she balance? That'd be a pain in the ass to organize. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, like, in the script writing 101-ness um, of everything, she's, like, she's R2-D2. She's, like, the adventure yes. waiting like, she's the outsider coming into town to change our protagonist's life. Because exactly. she, at least on paper, is everything Brittany wants to be. She, right. her a parents person are divorced. Yeah, well, what? <laughs> again, just, again, I, I do think it's a very cutting commentary. Like, talking about how destructive the suburbs are. It's like, right. because so much of suburbs and trapping us in this car-dependent culture is mm-hmm. just enough people like enough white people couldn't stand being around people of color they had to make little gated communities Mm -hmm. the fact that there's like one person of color in this entire Mm -hmm. fucking town really just paints it on um yeah she's a person of color she lived in europe she She uses the phrase gen i say qua with no understanding of what it means right she has like a little like a little strip of her hair is dyed like red or whatever she wears right. go-go boots to school, and she has cool accessories, which the accessories in this movie are insane. But I was low-key jealous. It's so 2000s. <clears throat> I know. I had all of that stuff. And, like, Coco we Chanel about... would be rolling in her grave. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, like... you know, I don't care what she thinks, but... No, 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 yeah. Um, again, talking about this film's sort of dismissive attitude of young women... Um, if they're not dumb and frivolous, they're nasty and mean, but like, (laughs) and like, I just can't help but love it. I don't know why. Right. Because it's done so well. Like, it's just like, okay, fine. If we're going to lean in, 
like, and have some girls just, like, say yeah. some rude-ass shit to each other. This chick <laughs> comes into school, first day, pop, comes in, walks right up to these girls. I'll never get over that. And they're like, who are you? And, like, she's like, I'm Natasha. But what gets me when she was like, I didn't realize ponytails were back in. And, like, all these bitches have ponytails. And she just, like, walks away. And, like, all their jaws are, like, on the floor. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, she just came in and just destroyed some girls. Yeah. You know the stereotype (laughs) of, like, if you ever go to prison, you have to find the biggest guy in the room and just punch him, like, try to knock him out in one punch. So she she goes up to, like, what she assumes the popular kids are, pulls out a knife, and just right. starts gutting them like Jack the Ripper, <laughs> just slash after turning them to ribbons, and everyone just standing there, like white in shock. Right, like <laughs> for her for that to be like these are the first people she meets in school. For her to be like, oh, you guys look cute, I guess, and walk away. <laughs> she launched the nukes at the first like, social whoa. interaction she had. No build right. up, no escalation, just b- kill move. Right off the bat. And Brittany saw this and was like, I want to be like that girl. Yeah, she's my best friend. And I'm like, what does that say about you? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, this girl comes in and Brittany's like, finally. <laughs> yeah, somebody here gets it. <laughs> right, I've been meaning to say that to these girls forever. Yeah. I've just had to keep it to myself because I want to have friends in this town. Right. But now I have a cool friend. Right. Oh but gosh. that leads us into the actual plot, which I realize I'm right. saying an hour into this fucking... <laughs> that we haven't told you what happens in the movie Are yet. we the best or the worst? I mean, uh, let's say we're the best. <laughs> yeah. Because we can say whatever it. we want. <laughs> I think we're like, we're like Jesse and James from Pokemon, like Team Rocket, where <laughs> we're a disaster, but God, everyone loves us. But it works. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so they go to a Jordan Cahill, because for some reason he's filming in this small town. I also love the commentary of, like, oh, he's probably staying at this one hotel because it's the only nice hotel in town. Oh, wait, wait. We're missing something really important here. Like, we have to talk about, like, both, which this gets sort of, like, revealed in the end. But, like, Brittany immediately being like, I'm going to be friends with that girl. And then just, like, changes her identity in five minutes. And, which includes her bringing Natasha home. And being like, oops, I need to redecorate my entire bedroom because it's all Jordan Cahill. And I just told this girl that I didn't care about Jordan Cahill. Teenage girls. Ugh, teenage girls. But then, like, this is my point earlier. It's like, yeah, so she gets a a four-way phone call in the middle of hanging out with Natasha. And, like, we we need, like, a name for these girls. Like, what are they? Like, the Beckys or something? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Are they all blonde? No, they're not all blonde. No, but that's okay. They might as well be. Yeah, the the ponytail gang. Um, <laughs> the ponytail you don't gang. Go to that pot of town. <laughs> the ponytail the gang. Ponytail is up gang at run those streets. Oh man. <laughs> um. Yeah, she gets a four way call Fucking from the ponytail gangs gang. Of New York shit with ponytails. <laughs> um. With scrunch. With, with scrunchies. Yeah. Um. Someone's getting choked out with a scrunchie. Right. So anyway, yeah, here, here comes the plot. Like, what, when I said earlier, that's like, I guess all it takes is for a teenage girl to just see you and she'll be a fan immediately. Like, because that's what happens. Because Natasha, it starts out criticizing the whole, like, Jordan Cahill fandom and being like, oh, these girls are obsessed with this? How stupid. And then, How like, she, she tags along 
and he's immediately screaming her head off when she sees him. Like, she wastes no time being like, Hilarious. oh, this is the first time I've seen this person. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Jordan Cahill. What do you mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. Which leads us to our actual plot. So, for some reason, Jordan Cahill, despite being, like, a popular celebrity, trusts his phone with his assistant. His mm-hmm. assistant, who is established, he's, like, whatever the friend equivalent of an Epo baby is, because they establish, right. like, we've been best friends our whole lives, and that yeah. seems to be how he got this job, because he objectively fucking sucks at it. Yeah. Like, Jordan gives him his phone to, like, download all of his data onto, like, a hard drive, and he uh, admits, I've never actually done it. And it's like, how long have you two been friends? How long right. has this been going on? Right. And you haven't done the one thing he seems to ask you to do at any given time? What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, he collides with Brittany. All their stuff goes onto the floor. And despite their you phones know. literally being the polar opposite of each other. And also, John Cahill's phone is a Blackberry. It's not a phone. Um, right. It's Yeah, like, he's got like a silver Blackberry. And she's using a hot pink Nokia. There is no way... Well, what? There's no way the cell phone isn't the first thing you look for when you're scrambling to pick things up. Right. Um, And, you know, also, God, this is such an anachronistic thing of like, man, remember when phones could fall and they wouldn't shatter? And you might hurt somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, it could actually kill someone. Right. Um, But anyway, he grabs the wrong phone. So now Brittany and Natasha have Jordan Cahill, pop star extraordinaire's cell phone. Right. And um, they extort him. Yeah, I. there's no other way to put it. Um, I will say, to this film's credit, they do underline what they're doing is objectively kind of terrible, Bad. even if it yeah. helps him sometimes. Right. Like, Natasha decides to, and we've established, like, Jordan's like, oh, man, this is all fake, man. I'm not, like, I'm not mean. Man. I'm not expressing myself right. Yeah, I isn't he the, the water, most I see annoying my character? I splash the water. Right. <laughs> like I even even when I was a kid, I always felt that like, um, Taron Killian is that his name? Is he a Killian? Uh, kill him. Yes. Kill him. That is like his what sort of he? performance in this was kind of weird and like bad. Um, like not that I, I don't want to say it was a bad performance because I f- feel like he was instructed to to be this way but maybe it's realistic because i feel like a lot of musicians don't really have personalities so yeah there's so much of this film that i'm like man what do you even say to an actor to get them to perform like that i don't know Um, (laughs) the younger brother in particular i'm like this kid is more pork than he is person he is he is hamming it up yeah like they might as they could actually replace him with a talking pig and it would probably get the same you wouldn't notice yeah Mm -hmm. um there's a bit where Natasha and um, Brittany are running and screaming in the most cartoon... It's literally like a cartoon half the time. It's very and funny, And you're like, yeah. how do you explain to an actor this what you is want what them you to want? do here, yeah. And you do enough takes where you're like, that's it. There it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, screaming while scaling a fence. Like, they're, they're just like, don't stop screaming. Whatever you do, just scream at the top of your lungs. Right. It, like, it feels like a, like a kid's... Like a adult... Like a parents putting on a show for kids and being as goofy as possible right but anyway like so yeah so they get they find out jordan has a haircut appointment so they cut his hair he loses the golden locks which it's like right i love that they keep referring to his frosted tips as uh golden locks that motherfucker is a brunette let's yeah what are we talking about he had three chunky highlights in the front that was it 
Yeah, and now he has a weird pixie cut. Now he looks like Jamie Lee Curtis in Freaky Friday. (laughs) Does he not? (laughs) Like. (laughs) Oh, God, he does. Yeah. And the way he mugs is similar. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they change his wardrobe. They, like... They somehow have a disproportionate power over him just because Eddie doesn't want to admit he lost the damn cell phone. Right. Um, and all of this, and this results in kind of their friendship falling apart because as I describe it, oh no, the power is going to Britney's head. She's high off the power. Right. Yeah, it's like, see, this is where things get sort of interesting because it's like, it gets real murky who here is in the right and who here is in the wrong when all of them mm-hmm. acted in poor taste <laughs> from the beginning right. like i mean you know like all of this sort of truth comes out like towards towards the end of this like you know or like i should say like around act 2 like natasha is is like standing around to like a captive ponytail gang audience being like yeah i talked to madonna or like whatever or she was she was like bragging about something about being responsible for cutting the hair like she kind of reveals to them that that they sort of like know jordan or whatever yeah but then like later it's flipped and britney starts doing that and talking about being like oh yeah i i I forget what she's bragging about something that like she should not be proud of they cut Um, the hair like we had to do something about that disgusting mop yeah, and then, oh, this is about her, like, I talked to Madonna, I'm like, Madonna hung up on you, but okay. Like, and that's kind of, like, what drives a wedge between her and Natasha, of, like, when when really it's, like, this is just sort of, like, a power dynamic between the two of them. Like, it wasn't an issue for Natasha until she, like, was out of the loop for, like, a mm. day. And then it turns out, well... God, there's so many different things that just come to a head so fucking fast. Yeah, in this movie. like everything like, is spilled okay. out. Um, so like, so first, like, uh, Brittany gets a call from uh from Jordan's girlfriend, and for some reason makes it sound like they're having an affair. Like, right? I don't know why that would be your first play, unless you are truly <laughs> so high from the power you oh, don't yeah. know what time of day it is. Like, didn't she give her name? Wasn't she like, no, this is Brittany. <laughs> Like in the most and Patrick she goes, Let's Star just say way. I'm a friend of Jordan's. Yeah, she's like, like how the hell else it. was she supposed to interpret that? And then has the nerve to cancel his travel plans and be like, "Oh, come see you." No, he's not going to do that. Bye. Right? Like, what were you thinking? Like, I that's don't, evil. Like, in what universe? Yeah. Um, so, so Natasha and them aren't Natasha and Brittany aren't really friends anymore. On top of Brittany finding out Natasha's been lying about her whole life. About everything, yeah. Out, she embellished a lot of the details of her jet-setting life. Yes. They travel because her dad is, like, travels for work. Mm-hmm. He's a stationary salesman. He's yes. currently in Buffalo. And if right. you want to know how sadly, like, football-brained I am, I immediately identified. Oh I'm like, oh, Drew Bledsoe would have been the quarterback of the Bills at that time. Um, <laughs> fresh off of... Drew, fun, all right, Carter's quick football fact. Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback of the New England Patriots who got hurt in a game that resulted in Tom Brady getting to play, leading them to the Super Bowl. Drew Bledsoe was promptly traded to the Bills and was fine. Um, Anywho. Anywho, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so they fight and, like, 
this is like Brenda's song is like this is actually a pretty good performance for her, especially for oh, like yeah. uh, being directed to just be kind of like teen ish yes. in terms of just like completely disemboweling Britney and being like, mm-hmm. nothing about you is like real. You're getting on my case for lying. You're right. so fake, man. You keep saying yeah. like you want to be unique and you want to get out of the suburbs and you want to be like this like cool New Yorker, but it's like you love all the same things the Ponytail Gang loves, <laughs> right? Like. You're obsessed with this boy. Like, you're not unique. Nothing about you is unique. You're as cookie cutter as every other damn thing here. And this, this has, like, what I said was probably my favorite line. Because, like, Brittany's trying to call out Natasha. Like, they, they do this... I don't know why they thought teenage girls spoke like this. But, like, they do this thing where they, like, like make fun of the way the other person talks about themselves. So, Brittany does this thing where she's like, I'm Natasha. I'm so interesting. I'm so fabulous. And Natasha just goes yeah and like she's like that's all correct like i am fabulous like that's how she ends that conversation she's like and i am fabulous like what do you mean like you're obsessed with me and you love me because i'm fabulous like don't forget okay you wanted to be my friend and then um yes so they fight they storm off. We have a montage of all their little moments together. This movie Which, really... Oh my gosh. This montages. movie's like 82 minutes with credits. Right. At least seven of those are montage. Montages of stuff we've seen already. Like, yeah, not even new montages. There's montages of new things. Like, there's the yeah, whole, like, he's true. transforming sequence that has that right. song I like. There's, like, it's the bike the chase. So that's a Jesse McCartney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a bike chase, and yet we have two different montages of literally the same fucking things we've seen before. Yeah, and, like, I like that they recycled the same clip, but, like, the first time they just put, like, a sad song over the montage, and then the second time is the uplifting song over the same montage. <laughs> to it's just a, be like, remember when they like were friends, and now they're not. And be changed and grow. Yeah. Like the, it's like the bit from Inside it's Out where like, the sad memory is also a happy memory. Of, right. <laughs> remember when they were friends and now they're not friends but then remember when they were friends and then they're character? not friends and now they're friends again what are we, movie what is, char- what is my character Sydney movie. what am I going to do here? <laughs> yeah <laughs> both of us were like so did you make any notes for this and no. I'm gonna be honest I think that's for the best nope yeah um, anywho <laughs> so yeah like Brittany's made promises she can't keep she's like you know what Jordan's gonna show up and sing at this Ashby house thing we're gonna save this house Right. Um, fun fact, this was actually a house in New Orleans called, Ooh. I believe, the Otis House. It was made in 1885, and it was made, um, it was like the estate of, um, it was the estate of a sawmill owner. Okay. Um, and apparently, because it's like a nationally recognized landmark, so they actually had to like kind of trash it, it to make it look like it had been left to rot. And then promptly, like, I can't believe it. they were allowed to even do that. Maybe I, it wasn't I really in such do bad think it's shape. Just, like, Disney has the money to fix this, and like, I whatever, guess. it's renovations. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was already kept so well that they could manage it being like made to look dirty and disheveled, and then reset without too much damage. Yeah, yeah. or it's they also just have like, money. Well, that's a part of like, and this is like a film production thing, like especially like when you're working on sets with like insurance and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're on location, you're kind of required to, like, uh, take photos of, like, every corner of the house. Oh, yeah. For, so you can, like, prove that you've put everything back correctly. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume that's a part of it. Right. Um, 
anyway, so Jordan, they meet up with Jordan finally. He releases his actual lyrics because we established like, oh, he's actually a soulful artist. He's like me. He likes the line, uh, island of hope in a sea of sameness. Which and I'm is... like, buddy, if you think that's a good line, I, your your agent might have been correct on this one. He right. might have read the room right. Yeah, there's this through line of, of, yeah, and you kind of mentioned this before, of him thinking that the lyrics to his own songs are shitty because they're changed. Like, he actually has original Taylor's versions, if you will, of um, of his own music that, like, that are his actual lyrics or whatever. Wait, do they change? Does Taylor change the no. lyrics? I thought it was literally just it's the exact same song with maybe slightly different orchestration. It's the exact same song, but with like the sort of like new political implications of everything that's happened. I see. You know what I mean? It's the yeah, the they're like you're just listening to it with new ears because because you've witnessed what has happened. Yes. Never mind. She's in a super spreader event but i digress well, um yeah i mean it's living in the suburbs baby um right. anyway so he performs i feel like we're fizzling out just because the plot kind of just happens at the end it it all literally just sort of spills itself out and then yeah the the last like act is just like a massive chase scene of everything sort of like coming to a crescendo britney sort of like surrendering and kind of low-key rescuing Jordan from yeah. his agent. And then, then... I do appreciate with this film, they don't, like, they don't, like, justify, like, they object, they're, like, what she did is objectively bad. terrible. Bad, She's bad, bad, kind bad. of a bad person. Yes. Like, like, you know, there's a bit where Eddie trying to get the phone back is a real, like, bumpus. One of my favorite things is, for the longest time, you could not convince me so the actor's real name is Ryan um, Belleville, a Canadian stand-up. Um, you could not convince me that that wasn't Elijah Wood or one of the other hobbits. <laughs> For the lo- I swear, that wasn't even me doing a bit. I really thought, like, oh, this is one of the hobbits from Lord of the Rings. Didn't I say that when we watched I was like, why do all of these, like, adult men in this movie look like the same person? Like, in the beginning, like, when Jordan, like, there's a director on set working with him on this music video... I always felt that that guy looked identical to Eddie. And then, like, like they all, like, they're all these weirdly, like, brunette, like, overproduct in their hair. Mm-hmm. Like, but I guess that was just, like, of the time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, why don't these men look like the same person? Yeah. And then we, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I really was like, man, it's cool they got Elijah Wood for this. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it's so... And I love that he, like, he's really gets on Britney's case the entire time. Like, you don't realize what you're doing. What you're doing is causing so many problems. And, like, he never is like, well, it's okay. You know, there's the idea of, like, well, Jordan wasn't happy and you changed some things for that. Yeah, you're better. making him happy. But at the same time, they're like, you caused a lot of unnecessary hardship here, girl. Yeah. Like, people could have, I could and should have lost my job by now because I didn't, do what I should have done from day one, which was file a police report. Right. And, yeah, so the agency's finally figured all this out and they're trying to track his phone <laughs> while he's being chased by fans. We have a kind of silly bike chase. I love yes. this just a weird and random moment where they're, like, running and screaming. They go through the neighbor's house, and the neighbor's just chilling in a pool with Mrs. her daughter, McDonald. and it's yeah. like... Hi, Brittany. Yeah, she's like, hey... Yeah, can you babysit um, can on you Tuesday night? Babysit? She's like, okay, bye. 
literally just stop the plot, like right. screech the plot to a halt for five seconds for this for some right. reason. <laughs> and then he performs. He's like, you know, he gives a whole speech about like, hey, you know, places like this, it's what it's all about. It won't save the world, but it will save a town. And, and then he hope performs his in a sea of yes. saveness. <laughs> Is that just one of our, like, lines now? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course it is. It has to be. <laughs> and then the, I will say, the ending is a little weirdly vague. So, Brittany and Jordan are just, like, friends now. They talk Which on the phone, weird. and she's like, oh, come to New York this week? I don't know, man. I got, like, it's kind of, things are getting pretty exciting here. School. He, and, yeah, yeah, I love the suburbs. No. It is the weird, like, and again, it's the, like, you can't fully, like, drag the system down, you have to, like, be like, well, there's still some hope. Right. It, it's very much a change the system from the inside kind of energy. Mm. Where exactly. It's like the suburbs as an institution are bad. It right. It is exactly. kind of unfixable. Right. And I guess that's kind of where I land, because I've always wanted to live in New York, but at the same time, I'm like, I love my town. Mm. I love, like, the community that's here. And, like, you know, I wish it was slightly less car dependent, but that's, True. you know, a number of reasons. And then we, then we recreate them, like, performing, like, they watch another music video, but now Eddie is the star, is, and I'm just so confused, I'm like... I don't understand, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused as to why that is and how that came to be. I understand why they're in the music video, because, like, now they're all buddies. Right. It's the idea that, like, Eddie's doing the sellout versions of songs. Like, he's the one who's like, I'll sell out. I don't care. I have no integrity. Yeah, I, I was my bad at this job like anyway. Half a month. Right. Maybe? Like, I'll, yeah. I don't know. I'll be the slicked up pop star, and he can right. go do his, like, acoustic Yeah, crap. he can be, like, the soulful songwriter, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't care. And then it kind of just ends. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there, it's, yeah, it starts, it, it ends where it started <sighs> with them coming from soccer practice now Natasha's on the soccer team with with the ponytail gang, <laughs> and yes, um, she's assimilated. Right, their war with the uh, bun the bun group uh, ended in massive casualties on both right. sides. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, each party surrendered, and they made a ponytail peace treaty. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, it just sort of like ends in, with them like dancing along. To this music video that they're all featured in with the new guy with with Eddie as the pop star, yeah, I, I don't really have answers for that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of an ending. That's it. Kind of got every. I, they could have just ended on the concert and been like Ashby House is saved. Which it should have more sense ended an there. Yeah, that yeah that would have been fine. Yeah, and good. But, that would have been good. Yeah, that was stuck in the suburbs. Yeah, you know. Like, what are, I mean, you kind of touched on your memories of this, but, like, I remember really loving this movie as a kid. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I guess it really is, like, what you remember as the Disney Channel movies is wholly dependent on when you were born or, like, when oh, you yeah. were, like, the right target audience. Right. But I'm, like, there's something, like, charming and goofy. Like, it's, it's got all the, it's very cartoony, it's very silly, mm -hmm. it's, got like so much of like disney in it in terms of like light light politics yes the, like curation of talent the excessive amount of like teen pop music right um and yeah it's one of those ones that for some reason like has always stuck with me because there were so many of these i watched 
But if you put a gun to my head and asked me to retell any important moment from Hatching Pete, I would just be like, well, mister, I guess you're just going to have to shoot me. <laughs> you know, like, you know, in our Internet Minute, we talked about, like, these business practices of Disney. And, I, and it's movies like this that remind me that Disney, like, was truly its own, like, MLM. Like, because <laughs> it's, like, it's filled with songs of of these artists who had contracts with Disney of their own who were signed to Disney's record label, Hollywood Studios. And even the end credit scene is that song, um, Over It, which had a whole music video sung by Annalisa Vanderpool, who played Chelsea in That's So Raven. So, like, they just had this really well self-contained system where anything they needed could be done in-house. Like, anything they needed could be done in-house. Right. It is an well again. It's it's old corporate. It's old corporate yeah. America. It's the octopus. It's there's yes. seven thousand tendrils touching everything and everything. Exactly. But if we can save that one little unique thing, that yeah. one little Disney spark, we can still make the magic. Exactly. An island of hope. In a sea of sameness. There you go. That's what it's about. <laughs> And until a pop star graces our little quiet suburban town once more, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. And thanks for listening. But seriously, he should have just gone to the police. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> like again, you, you know, that's a celebrity's phone. He could have right. ping dog pics on there. Yeah. You could have his like banking information on there. I mean, yeah, this is this is very serious. Anyway. Yeah, like what the fuck, man? You are so fucking bad at your job. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I'd be embarrassed to be that bad at a job. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> the Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.